Hello and welcome to the second ho 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 is this, <laughs> December. Is this, po- well, yes. Is this the Christmas podcast? What? Well, it's not. Well, it's not also not really. the second because you did one overseas, didn't you? That was the first one. This is the third now. Why didn't you? Say, I said it was the first one last time. Well, no, you didn't correct me then, did you? You just no. waited. I didn't realise. Oh, it's the Big Finish Bloomin' Podcast. Yay. Yay. I'm the one who gets everything wrong. <laughs> and uh, and over, over to Bob. No, just joking. It's Nick Briggs here. Hello. Paul. <laughs> oh, hello. I'm Paul Sprague. I, I should say, actually, at this point... Should um, you? There, there, well, yeah, There's there's been some, some tragic news. While he was trying to extricate himself from the back of the fridge... Bob was sadly electrocuted and has died. So, uh, so sadly, we won't be hearing from him again. It's, it's a huge disappointment, isn't it, David? <laughs> and, and I'm David Richardson. Hello. And I'm John Dorney, still John here. John Dorney, still here. Rid of me. Dorney, hello. Hello, hello. And uh, this podcast is a special review of 2011. Ooh. For big, Ooh. <laughs> that was the year that was for yes. big finish. That is, and I think that's the campest day we've ever had on this podcast. That's how we get some stiff competition. I, 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 I think, I think that sounds like a challenge. <laughs> no, no. We may, we may see what we can do with that later. And each of us has chosen uh, a number of our favourite releases. Yes, that's. As that's Bob trying to get out from behind the uh, fridge, it's not, mm. not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> We're never going to let him out. <laughs> Stay over there, Bob. So, yes. Okay. Um, so, uh, David, you want to pick one of my favourite releases? Yes. Um, I'm going to start with the Five Companions, oh. which is our subscriber-only release. And actually, by the time this comes out, I think people will have heard it. It will be out there. Yes. Um, and I just just going to kick the fridge. It was a. <laughs> It was a really special day in the studio with all these lovely, iconic <laughs> Doctor Who people. I'm still talking. You're being slightly undercut, though. Um, <laughs> no, it was, it was lovely to work on a really special day. And what was even nice was when the edits came in, and it was just this really warm, nostalgic, very exciting story. Um, and for me, it's one that I will play again and again. I absolutely love it. We'll have a little clip, shall we? Go on, then. Come out with your hands in the air. No, you come down here. I'll give you to the count of three. One. What was that? Well, for goodness sake. Come on, get in here. Get off me. There's no time. Get in here now. Away from that Dalek! Ah! Are you alright? Yeah! Yes, keep going! It's a dead end! Where are we? Wait a minute! This door's an airlock! If the mechanism still works! Got it! Good work! But what now? There's no way out! Oh, that Dalek will get through the door in no time! 
I love it too, actually. I, I love I'm, Gene Marsh as well. I'm really, <laughs> I'm really, really looking forward to it. The trailer was just awesome. It was just yeah. really filled with loads of sort of lovely, funny bits and just yeah. sounded beautiful. Well, I mean, all, all those Doctor Who actors well, you can't and Daleks and Sontorans. I mean, what's not to love? All sort of marvellous, lovely people as well. So. Yeah. That's a great trailer. Yeah. Mm. And it's, it's one of those stories, actually, when it finishes, you're just kind of left with this lovely, warm, fan-glow. It was... Very nice. Listen to it on Christmas Day. Yeah. That's our advice. Mm. So that's, that's my first one, Five mm. Companions. Okay, um, Mr. Special Guest Star John Dorney. Hello, yes. Um, well, give us one of your favourites of 2010. Well, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just going to go with Recorded Time. Uh, I'm just going to go with. I've got to lean in, apparently. Uh, I'm going to go with Recorded Time, uh, uh, which uh, the, the released 150. Uh, uh, which is uh, mainly because I've uh, I loved all of the individual stories, um, and, and I've, I've sort of known and worked with pretty much all of the people involved in it to uh, varying degrees and in, in various times and places. Oh yeah. Yes. Uh, well, I, I, I did a tour with Ka- Catherine Harvey, um, oh, right, a play right. called Humble Boy, and sort of ended up uh, lending her all the DVDs of Colin Baker's era when. Um, when she got the commission, which which was a total coincidence, I should point out. So that was a complete uh, coincidence. And then Dinnick, who I've known uh, for years as well, um, and Matt Fitton and Philip Lawrence, who I hadn't met until I think at the Big Finish Day convention this year. I met, and I've sort of ended up going for a curry with them and uh, Beth Chalmers and the Big uh, Finish Day convention was a good. Uh, it was lovely. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. A, it was, that was a marvelous day as well. And uh, and uh, we did all these touch. people go for a curry with you. Yeah, all of them did, and I kind of had all of theirs. So cause they just sat and watched me eat curry. They just kind of going, "Well, you can eat a lot of curry, Dawny, can't you?" You went for a curry after Big Finish. Yeah, day. yeah, yeah. Oh, I felt a bit left out. I think you, I, no, I think everyone was invited. Oh, it was just I was a certain invited. amount of people. Well, yeah, you were invited as well, Sprague. Was I? I don't know if everybody was invited. <laughs> they didn't invite you. Yeah, I just yeah. Yeah. It, was, it was. I just went to Nando's. It was every Only guest Bob from loves Big me. Day came. Only Bob came. came. Bob? Yeah, he definitely was there. Right, he's going back behind the fridge. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Matt and, and Philip came to see me in, a, me in a play about a month ago as well, which was rather sort of lovely of them. So. so basically, you're choosing this because all your mates were involved in well, it. Well, no, it gives me a certain degree of affection for it, but I kind of, I, I, I wouldn't, they wouldn't be friends of mine if it was rubbish. So I, 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 I would. I would ostracise them. And um, which which story now? Now you have to choose who's your favourite friend. Which yes. story do you? Or is it going to be a clip from yours? No, no, no. I didn't write one for that. Oh, one, you so. didn't? No, 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 no. Well, I, 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 much would, I, know. I, I, susp- I think I've told them which one my favourite. My favourite's question marks. Um, okay. So I, I'm not going to rank the others because um, that would be unfair. Um, uh, I did suggest one word for recorded time itself, which was something along the lines of circumlocutory or something like that, which got expanded on in the actual recording. But um, that yeah. might be a bit to, if you want a clip of that. But you don't want to rank them, otherwise you'd be a complete ranker. I would. Uh, I, don't, I don't want that. Do Nick, Nick, we both know that I already am. A <laughs> so uh, yes, so that's recorded time. Okay, so let's have a quick a clip from question marks. Is there anyone there? Hello? It's so dark. I can't. Ow! Over here. Is someone there? I said, over here! Oh, thank goodness! Are you okay? I'm not hurt, I think. D- don't try to move. There's blood on your face. Who are you? It's alright. The-, the cut's not deep. I reckon you must have hit it. I'm not hurt. I asked you a question. Who are you? I don't 
don't know. Paul Sprague. I, I just want to say I really love question marks, particularly because of that ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's for one of the most touching bits of audio I've I've heard this year. Uh, mm. Question marks. I think it's very good. Um, I was going to pick rather cheekily um, the second series of Highlander because it's the I first think. thing that I've ever produced, and it makes me happy. Yeah. And uh, after a lot of uh, a, a lot of uh, problems, prizing it into uh, publication. It was quite nice to get it out there and have people seem to universally really love it. And I was very happy with the people I worked with. I thought Scott Andrews and uh, James Moran did a brilliant job writing it. The actors all delivered some great performances and I think it came off astonishingly well. Now we just have to get people to buy it. <laughs> yes, come on! <laughs> I, I should have a listen. I don't know much about Highlander at all because I, I remember really not being keen on the original film. Yes. And, and no one's keen on the second film. So... Um, <laughs> Uh, it, People are fairly ambivalent about the third, fourth, and fifth films. Yeah, <laughs> but, but I've heard nice things about the TV series, so I should really kind of track yeah. it down a bit. And it's got some love. It's got a really lovely bunch of actors in it, hasn't it? Because it's the Four Horsemen, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, and they were they it's were like all... Valentine Pelcour, is he one of them? Yeah, yes. of, yeah. And Richard Ridings, who is just oh, he's marvellous as well. Yeah, yeah. T- chapter having a studio, and uh, yeah, Peter Wingfield, oh, as God well, Marcus Testori, and uh, and of course the sporting cast of Tracy Ann Oberman and. Uh, Toby Longworth and uh, John Banks. I thought you said the sporting cast. I thought, what? What's that got to do with it? Yeah, they were all off playing playing games and breaks. But anyway, yes, uh, they uh, between all these various different people and Ken Bentley directing whatever they made it uh, very easy on me. It was mm-hmm. it was a pleasant experience. What uh, a pleasant experience! <laughs> Joyous what, experience. It was what, uh, what? What should we have a clip from them? Oh, we should probably have a clip from the fourth one, I reckon, the Mythos one with Peter Wingfield in it. Nice romantic interlude, that's what you need. Where have you been? It's about to start. You don't want to miss yourself as a dying floozy, do you? You're the floozy. That's the frilliest shirt I've ever seen. It's not frilly. It's just extravagant. Yes, extravagantly frilly. Anyway, there's plenty of time. I wanted to get her some ice cream. Here you go. They only had strawberry. There seems to be some missing from mine. Mm, yes, well, I had to test it to make sure it was okay. Mm. Quite a rigorous test, by the looks of it. Are you questioning my scientific methods? I wouldn't dare. Mm. Are you sure this is strawberry? Well, that's what the man said. It was free, too. Quite strange, really. I think it was soft in the head. Why? Well, there were two ice cream stalls, and he called me over to his one. He was quite insistent, said it was free for pretty ladies. I can't fault him on that. Why do you say he was strange? Well, when he gave them to me, he said something about how they'd help us to realise our potential. I thought, settle down, it's only ice cream, for goodness sake. Still, it was free, so who cares? (sighs) Hey! That's mine! No! Damn you! Not now. Where is he? The man who gave you the ice cream. Show me where he is. Now. There we are. That was a clip from Highlander Series 2. It's my turn now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes. I can only be a bit egotistical and uh, choose uh, Lucy Miller. Mm-hmm. Both the character who, and who the wouldn't? episode. Yeah, indeed, <laughs> indeed. Um, yes, uh, you know, the first from our two-part finale for Sheridan Smith as the 8th Doctor's companion, Lucy Miller. Um, 
I don't know what to say about it really. What can I say? Have you? Uh, who's yeah, heard? I've, you I've heard it. Really, yeah. I really loved it. Really good. Oh, really, um, I, I, I love the sort of the. I, I like the the increasing sense of sort of oncoming tragedy and 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 devastation, which you kind of don't often get in a Doctor Who story. It's got that sort of. Um, that sense of everything's getting out of hand and everything's sort of out of control, which is and and, and how companions sort of survives and exists without yeah, the doctor around. Yeah, that's uh, my favourite kind of to- st- storytelling, which is uh, I like I like things to run out of control. I mm. don't like things to feel like they've been neatly plotted. Well, it's got know, obviously of, they have to be, mm-hmm. but you know to give that illusion of it being chaotic. It's it's this thing, isn't it? That um, I remember watching The Crucible and uh, Bartha Miller, and there's a real sort of appalling inevitability about the whole thing that you, yeah, that you can't predict where trans, it's going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you can't predict where it's going, but when it gets to the end, you kind of just have that moment going, it couldn't really have gone any other other way. It's, it, it, it's the, the out of control train thing where, you, where you're just stuck on the ride and you don't, you can't, you can't get off. That's what it. That's what it, it has that feel of to me. Mm. Um, this um, it's a sense of a situation out of control. So, and I also wanted to put uh, Sheridan right in the spotlight again because mm-hmm. we'd done that with Sisters of the Flame mm-hmm. uh, a couple of series back and it, it's really great when Sheridan is, is driving the plot forward. She, mm-hmm. she can really take that weight in story terms. And, uh, well, I think the one thing that's really been sort of rather wonderful in the last years because I think Big Finish listeners have uh, spent most of the last sort of four years being totally aware of how sort of brilliant and how much range Sheridan actually has as an actress yeah. uh, that hasn't really been that exploited outside of uh, outside of uh, outside of Big Finish because she's just essentially been in two parts of Lager and, and, and grown up I mean she's done more than that but she's kind of been only asked really to sort of work within that sort of frame mm. and mm. then going into Legally Blonde and Flare Path and winning massive amounts of awards for all of those people have suddenly Realise that they've essentially been underestimating her for years, and uh, and and I, I can I can only guess at where she'll go on from here because she's well, a quite. really really magnificent actress. She is incredible. She's a uh, yeah. I'm very disappointed that I didn't see either Legally Blonde or For Their Path. And I, I really saw Legally Blonde, and I I hate musicals, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I I just thought it was amazing. I thought it was brilliant, and she was quite often when you go and see musicals and I've seen a few because Jason Hagen produces them um, <laughs> and I'm forced at gunpoint to go no no I'm very grateful um, there's so much energy in them you kind mm. of get energy drunk you know you're and, and weary of it because they're all going hey you know and it's big smiles and that's fine you know if people love that that's great but I find it rather relentless and the thing that Sheridan did she must have had huge energy doing it but she had such an ease about mm. it you know um, and such amazing audience contact. I, all of us in that audience thought that she was looking right at us when she gave her little nods to the crowd, you know? And mm-hmm. she was putting so much into it and doing so much incredible dynamic stuff, but it didn't, she wasn't breaking a sweat, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and yet, of course, she must have been. Yeah. But yeah. It, it was brilliant. Yeah. I wish I'd seen her in it now. Yeah, well, we won't go Re- down refer, there. To, refer to the podcast from January to find out why I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that, is a, that is a tragedy of epic proportions, <laughs> Mr. Sprague. Yeah. So anyway, yes, Lucy Miller is a clip. Oh, my God. Can you see it? Yeah, we're just at the edge. The jamming signal is still working. They won't be able to hear us. Lucy, can you see the North Service hatch? There's a lot of scaffolding. Some construction work still going on. Right at the south hatchway. This is it. 
take your people in. When you've secured your hatchways, signal and we'll move forward. Perceptor reading show humans descending into construction area. What did I tell you? You have done well! Oh, please. It's a simple matter of breaking through their jamming frequency. Once again, you have delivered victory to us! Well, it's high time the Rebels realize they're wasting their time and effort resisting the Daleks. <laughs> After a spell working in the mines, I'm sure they'll understand that. Now, the Rebels will all be exterminated! Oh, uh, I don't think there's really any need. The to... human beings must be taught a lesson that all who defy the Daleks must die. Yes, but uh... they will be exterminated, exterminated, exterminated. There you go. Okay, David, uh... choose another one. Um, I think the Silver Turk. Oh. Which is well, not really a surprise. I mean, it's one of our most popular stories from this year. Mock Platt doing a Cyberman tale again. Yeah. Um, beautifully gothic and atmospheric, and just it's a, a delectable script by Mark. I think. Brilliant. Just yeah. absolutely gorgeous. Mark yeah. is magnificent, really. Isn't he? he is actually, yeah, and he's he's really firing all, on all cylinders at the minute, isn't he? He's just delivering some fantastic stuff. So. Uh, yeah, he's one of our very reliable writers, and we always yeah. sort of choose a point where we just say, "This is a Mark Platt one. Let's get Mark to do this." Yeah. You know. And when you meet him, I mean, he's the quietest, most humble person in the world, isn't he? Mm -hmm. And probably doesn't really regard himself as highly as he should I think I think he, do, he doesn't know how good he is yeah which is something very endearing about him um, you've spent a lot of time watching the X Factor haven't you is <laughs> <laughs> that what they say on the X Factor all the time <laughs> I don't you don't know how good you are and that's what makes you so endearing <laughs> <laughs> so more about you than it does me Sprague yeah yeah what what what? Sprague does know that's how good he is, and so that's the tragedy. Shall <laughs> <laughs> we have a clip from the Silver Turk? Yes. You're the other Turk. The one from the cell. The other Cyberman. No, stay away from me. Cyberman. How do you know me? How do you know my name? I don't, I don't know you. You know my identity, my race. Keep away. Who else knows? Have you seen another? I, I might have been mistaken. Um, I'm not the last, the last of the Cybermen. Uh, the Silver Turk is an example of, uh, I, I've been, uh, by Paul Mars, I was called the title Nazi. Because I'm very particular about what stories should be called, what feels right to me. And, you know, and I always feel that, especially with our Doctor Who stories, I think it's different from the TV series currently, but I'd, I always feel they should sound like the titles of novels rather than the titles of chapters. Mm. So there, there must be something bigger and more grand about our titles, I feel. Um, 
you know, so I wouldn't call something running out of time or something like that. Mm. I don't, you couldn't, I don't want a CD oh, to go oh, out. Okay, okay. change that. <laughs> Out. Um, and the silver turkey is, is an example uh, that uh, I remember Mark Platt had several ideas for the title and then I read the storyline and I said well you've got to call it the silver turk obviously you've got to call it the silver turk it just leaps out at you but I think he wanted to call it the pumpernickel man mm. you know which um, is a quirky interesting title but it, to me it doesn't sound like a Doctor Who story I mean I can see what you mean because it's it, different from the TV series and the, the TV series it, it's you're going to watch it anyway, whereas, well, whereas on the shelf, on, on, yeah, I'm looking it's it up not that. Amazon, I'm thinking no, the TV it's... series is is like the whole thirteen parts is is like the book, and it is chapters, and all them, yeah. and all of the stories are like chapters in that book. Whereas I think each of our stories is has to be like a novel. You know? Yes, no, that makes sense. That's of course, having said that, theory. there's no way in hell we would have got Pumpernickel on the front cover in that amount of space that we've got. <laughs> well, that so I'm quite pleased it, yeah. that you actually yeah. made that change. Mm. Welcome to Paul's Prague's world. <laughs> There's no doing Revenge of the Pumpernickel Man next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The one thing as well that, that people don't necessarily realise about Mark is that he's such a really good ambassador because the number of people that that contact me wanting to do interviews for websites and things like that, you mm. know, and, and magazines and things, and... And if they say, you know, who can I interview? Mark is usually the one who's quickest to reply and quickest to send stuff back and, you know, is constantly trying to plug stuff for us. Oh, so he's not actually an ambassador? No, he doesn't actually go overseas. He doesn't doesn't have parties where everyone hands out Ferrero Rocher. (laughs) No, not as far as I'm aware. And he's not a spy either. Well, he might be. How would we know? (laughs) He does keep going away for quite long periods of time. Yes, he does go to foreign countries, doesn't he? And then he comes up with a story based on his holiday. That's (laughs) true, yes. He had a holiday with crocodiles once. So he wrote The Skull of Sobek. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that's true. Yes, so you said the word to Dawny, so I'm assuming I'm now on. Uh, yes, I am. My second choice is going to be uh, well. It, it, it's quite a big one. It's going to go Jago and Lightfoot. Um, now it's I'm, just going to all go Jago and Lightfoot. Yes, indeed. And, and of course, that, the problem is that it's essentially eight releases, eight single discs. I, I'm, I, I, I feel guilty on the basis that one of those discs is written by me. But then you know, it, it's Don't like it, it's like you guys are kind of. Obviously, having to pick things you've produced, so yeah. it's, it's, it, it, I'm only it, picking things I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, um, well, you have written about the 95% of everything. Um, it, it's um, no, I, true, I, true. I, I do um, just absolutely adore it. I, it was, I was so delighted to be asked uh, on board to write for series three and indeed uh, series four, and it, I, I, I think they're incredibly beautifully done series that I, I. I the, the odd thing is that with almost any other sort of release, I'm kind of behind on so many ranges, and I'm working my way through all of them. Um, Dragon Life is the one where, when it comes through the post, I I immediately just have to work my way through it that that week. I, I sit down, switch all the lights off, get a bottle of port, and, uh, and hold on, this is getting to, a bit weird. Yeah, yeah and just and just <laughs> and just um, put the put the headphones in and. and uh, it's, it's just sublime every single time. Two of the, two of the best performances and a lot of the best writing, uh, apart from mine, uh, in, in, in Big Finish. Well, you know, I'm not going. I'm not going to be egotistical. <laughs> Do you want to, to choose of, a clip? Um, uh, can we have something from uh, Man at the Bottom of the Man at the End of the Garden? Isn't How it? How about the scene where, like, uh, sorry, where Jago turns up at the household? Yes. Yeah. Oh, you hey. can find that for me. Good afternoon, madam. The stained glass does not conceal you. 
I'm not the Yard, you know. I'm an emissary of Dame Thespis. You received my telegram? Mr. Jug, is it then? Oh, I knew that postmistress wasn't listening properly. I am Henry Gordon Jago, madam. Permit me to slip my bona fides through your letterbox. Yow! Really? There is no need for... Take a step back onto the path, Mr. Jago. I shall throw the bolts, but keep the door chained. Your locksmith has been busy, Mrs... Mrs. Hitch. He's been busy all down the avenue, as you well know. Where's this card, then? Here, madam. My person certified in copper plate. I was hoping to make a business proposal to your mistress. Is she at home? She's very busy, sir. I have strict instructions not to disturb her. We're all rather unsettled here, as you can imagine. Perhaps if you consult Mr Lane? A publisher? Uh, yes, well, 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 I was rather hoping to keep him out of it. In order to ensure Mrs Naismith her just reward. You'll have to excuse me, sir. Madam, open the door. Open the door. Mrs Hitch! Mrs Hitch! What the devil's going on in there? And talking of Jago and Lightfoot, don't forget that we did send a com set a competition in the last podcast and the prizes uh, for the winners were, for the winner was um, the Jago and Lightfoot series one, two and three, signed. Signed? Yeah, by the cast. <gasps> and the, the question was, name the two Doctor Who stories Christopher Benjamin has featured in, but not as Henry Gordon Jago. Answers to, <laughs> answers to podcast at bigfinish.com and please include your address so we can send the prize to you should you win. And by the way, five runners up can choose a release of their choice, not a box set, but a, a single or double CD. Anyway, who's next? Well, it's probably me. Go on, I expect it's me again. Um, you're, you're gonna hate this, Nick. I was gonna. What? You haven't chosen your second one yet. No, no, I no, haven't. No. Neither have I. Yeah. Haven't you? Oh, no. Oh, go ahead then. It just feels like I've been talking forever. <laughs> <laughs> Bring back Bob. I'm sorry. Bob! Bob! <laughs> sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Nick, Nick, you're going to hate this because I was going to pick Robophobia. Oh! Well, luckily <laughs> I haven't chosen Robophobia because uh, I had an attack of... Um, Modesty. <laughs> I'm sure it'll wear off almost instantly. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. I'm sure. You're absolutely right. No, I just—it's just one of my one of my favourites of the year. I just thought that it was beautifully constructed, but a nice, simple, straightforward plot, but also keeps you guessing about who is doing what to whom. I thought, and also the the robots as well being back. It's just yeah. great to hear all those voices, and they're just. Really, really unsettling, and your great guest cast is Nicola Walker, absolutely Nicola, brilliant. John Dorney, John Dorney, oh, yeah. John Dorney. Yeah. 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 Nicola Walker. She was she's on BBC One, wasn't she? That yeah, was, exactly. that's the yeah, basis yeah. for casting that, wasn't it? Because yeah, you were absolutely. just choosing people who were on BBC One. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I, some people who've been on BBC One we've not used actually. I mean, yeah. we should sort that out. Moira Stewart. Yeah, yeah, she's Adrian not on. Childs. He's not. He's, he's not. He, he was. He was. He was, was. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. well, lots of people were. Yeah. Bruno Toglioni. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, the one who talking like that. <laughs> yes. So yes, Robophobia is, yeah. is 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 my pick. 
and and also really really moving as well in places as well. It made me shed a tear on the on the train on the way in, which was I, slightly embarrassing. I really enjoyed it because it's this this uh, odd thing when you're listening to a story that you've read the whole script of. Because I, I really enjoyed it when I was reading it, it leapt off the page, and and then actually listening to the the, the final version as well. It just it was it was even better. And I, and I, I yeah, adore it very oh, much. Shots, guys. <laughs> A great post-production, I thought, on that. Mm. And, Jamie? Uh, Jamie, Jamie. You've got it right that time. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it was also one of my favourite days in in the studio from, from having from an acting perspective because everyone was utterly lovely and everyone every, everyone sort of knew each other to varying degrees, yeah. with the exception of Nicola Walker. But it yeah, just meant she that everyone felt was really, really left out. Yeah. <laughs> everyone was really, but no, she was just too lovely to kind of to, yeah. to mind. It was she just was great very fun. relaxed and friendly and had a sort of yeah. But it was right, it was Toby Haydock who pointed out that everyone in the cast, apart from Nicola, was a Doctor Who fan. Well, yeah. apart from Sylvester McCoy. I don't know, and does Addis, he count? Addis isn't a oh, no, but, but he, he knew. knows everyone. Yeah. He knows Toby, he knows me. Well, I yeah. think you should bring her character back. Yeah. Livchenka. Yeah. yeah. Well, she was she was really great. Hmm. Um, she could do some more work. A couple now. of people have <laughs> said that they, they thought it was the. They didn't like that you said that you didn't know what was going to happen next but they a lot of people said it was obvious right from the word go I think that there's enough red herrings in there that you're not sure exactly where it's going but I, I like the simplicity of the twist on the format yeah mm. well that was Alan Barnes' idea which is, which is brilliant yeah mm. Um, I have nothing more to say about my own release, obviously. Mm. You sure? I've got plenty more to say about How unusual. <laughs> and also, the title was Alan Barnes's idea. He said, whatever you write, it's got to be called Robophobia. And I went, hmm. oh, yeah. Because I'd come up with some really naff title. Plus, also, that fits really neatly in the centre section of the... It's, about, the front. It, it's all about layout. that many fewer letters than Pumpernickel? Yeah, but yes. Yes, but also Pumpernickel had to have the in front of it, didn't it? The and a space. Anyway, let's have a clip from. Is there a bit particular? It's only two letters less. Anyway, it's those two that make all the difference. Yeah, two. Sorry, two letters fewer. I don't know. I should just pick a clip that's got a bunch of robots in. That's what we really want here. I, th I thought you were tremendously offended by that story because uh, we had a rural character <laughs> in it who was stupid and you, you found that highly offensive. Yeah, but you, there, there's always it? space for someone with a Bristolian accent who's a little bit stupid, was, surely, in almost that, any production. Was Dan Stark. There's the really dumb security man called Sprague. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm still, I'm still quite excited about the fact that one of the characters in this latest series of Doctor Who on TV was called Sprag. It cheered me up no end. What was that character then? It was um, the, the the geeky one. Yeah. Oh. The idiot in the God Complex. Oh right, yes, yes. Oh right, I didn't notice him. And there was another character in that same story called Lucy Miller. Was there? Yeah, as you may or may not have noticed. I didn't notice that either. Oh, she, yeah, they so. called someone Lucy Miller. Yeah. Yeah, there was someone called Lucy Miller. I'm not. I think I'm glad she's... they're keeping an eye on all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it was spelled with a Y at the end, so no one's entirely different character. Yeah, because so Lord. Yeah. Was she in it, Lucy Miller? What? Was she one of the photos on the wall? Oh, um, yes. I think so. I think she dies right at the very beginning. I think she's the first one to. Oh be right, dead. okay. The police woman or something, isn't it? Yes, I think yeah, so, yeah. Good lord. But I'm not quite sure. I don't think she's even referred to by name in the actual episode. Ah. I think it was in the like read through when they were. Talking about it in Doctor Who Confidential. Oh, I see. Okay. And uh, and anyway, here's a clip from Rose. Really? Well, why would I want to blow up your precious robots? Any chance of a cup of tea? Well, let the company investigators on Ventalis deal with him. Yeah. Uh, hello, Captain. What the hell's going on down there, Farrell? 
All the sensors in Robot Bay 117 have gone dead, and the security grid's showing a fire hazard shutdown in that area. Uh, yes, that, that, that's right, sir. Right? What do, what do you mean, that's right? Um, there's been a, a, an explosion. Some sort of sabotage. Sabotage? Yes, uh, but don't worry, sir. We, we think we found the culprit. It's a, a stowaway. Ah, that old chestnut. Shut up! What? Not you, sir. Sorry, sir. Are you saying... You're not saying we've lost some of our cargo, are you? Um... Uh, well, yes, I, I, I suppose... Well, I, I'm, I'm afraid it, it, it pretty much looks that way, Captain. Just get the situation under control, Farrell, and then report back to me for a damn good kicking! But... Ca- he sounds a difficult man. Oh, you don't know the half of it, deario. Kravnet! Chief! Make sure he's locked up. Who? He means me. Oh, yes. Right. Course, Chief. But you haven't proved anything yet. That's right. You can't just... Well, it was either you and Bass or him! Do you want me to lock you two up as well? No, but... I see the blast doors are down. That bomb really did make a mess of Robot Bay 117, didn't it? Luckily, I rigged up more than just one bay. Rigged up? You mean, you did plant the bomb? But why? I thought... I told you, darling. Stark staring bonkers. But... But what I meant was rigged up for robot activation. Here. Steady. Put that down. It's not a weapon. I found it in a storage compartment just before I found the bomb, as it turns out. It's it's a robot activator. Very handy. There we are. It's signalling to Robot Bay 118. This bay. What are your orders, Controller? I detect that this ship is still in motion. We have received an illegal activation signal. The reactivation cannot be stopped? No. All robots in this bay are being activated. Those responsible must be found and punished. Right, and now it's me choosing another of my story favorites. you wrote. Yeah, <laughs> I am. I, yeah, I'm really sorry. I have to choose to the death, which is the. Uh, well, surely the, that came under the last one, didn't no, it? No, no, that was Lucy Miller. Oh, I thought you put them together. No, I hadn't. Mm. I just think you could have picked something by John Dorney if you just had the extra space. Yes. Yeah. What were you thinking? You were thinking me, 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 weren't you? I was just looking back at the year <laughs> and being honest about what I liked. <laughs> Go on then, why? Why? <laughs> I don't know. It's just uh, I, I, the thing I like to write most in Doctor Who and the thing I like to watch most in Doctor Who, which is sort of daft, is the beginnings and ends. Because, of course, you can't have beginnings and ends unless you've got middles as well. But uh, I like that. I like that vibe. Of, of you know either something for the first time happening or winding down to something for the last time and how people uh, cope with it because endings are the most difficult things about stories you know and I've got a theory about it which is this um, <laughs> my theory is you're right there <laughs> just I was nearly doing the Monty Python theory about dinosaurs but never mind my theory I thought you just got pinched by theory. Bob. <laughs> Because we know no end to our own stories, you know, our mm. lives, it's difficult for us to conceive of endings. And that's why it's difficult to write them and difficult for audiences to like them. Most people complain about stories 
about the way they ended up. Mm. That's the big complaint. You'll see it even in really highbrow review shows, they, you know, like the one on BBC Two. And they all complain about how it all turned out because it doesn't quite fit with their own idea of their own mortality stroke immortality. And mm. it, you know, and I, so I really like to try and get to grips with that difficult thing. Well, it's, it's, it's the difficulty of, there's a, there's a kind of thing I found, I noticed with The Office, because The Office, essentially, the end of the second series of The Office felt like it was an ending, and the end of the Christmas special felt like it was even more appropriate ending for the series, and it, 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 there, there are all sorts of different ways of doing it, and it, it and, but it's, it's the trick of finding a way that's, that's satisfying, because it's easy enough to stop, Yes. Uh, but it's finding a way of, I, mean, I always find, you know, having done lots of radio comedy, punchlines are appalling, the last, finding the last line. Of, of anything is difficult. I've, no, I've now got into the habit of when I'm writing um, episodes of, of, of the audios, uh, when I come to a cliffhanger, I've got uh, on my iPod, this is an embarrassing admission, I've got the, the closing theme music of whichever doctor it is, and I just I just, I kind of read out the last lines and press play just to see <laughs> what it feels like it works. How brilliant. And uh, just because you kind of want to have it that sort of kick into the next episode kind of feel. Um, I can't remember where I was going with that. But um... Are you Alex Mallinson again? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we should I mean, do I one think... now. Get your right. I think the best endings are ending, the endings that we most like are endings that don't entirely resolve. Yeah. Mm. Because we have no concept of our ending or the end of anything. Uh, it, we think, oh, that feels right. We, you leave a possibility hanging and you tantalise mm -hmm. the audience at the last minute with whether or not you're going to solve it at another point. The other way of doing an ending, which is a little bit like the ending of Destination Nerva, which is coming out in January, the first original Tom Baker and uh, Louise Jameson adventure. Uh, the ending of that, the very ending of it, is like a beginning, and that's another way of doing an ending, you know mm. what I mean? Uh, because, because we don't like the end, to sort of say, actually, this is the beginning of something else, So, which is... Trick Actually, I, 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 the one I kind of found really tricky to end uh, coming out was the fourth wall because I, I, yeah. I knew I pretty much early when I'd been writing of it I thought of a, of a last couple of lines and pres and it was the last two lines I desperately didn't want to do and it was trying to figure out it was the obvious way to end it and I was thinking but it's awful it's a monstrous so having to find a way that I, I was really happy with the ending I came up with instead but but the, yeah you're just trying to get your brain outside of the one that it kind of just is trying to force it into itself and you say, no that's nasty nasty well you've got your ipod there we've got some dominion scripts yeah there, so maybe if you wanted to read the end of an episode <laughs> <laughs> it, it won't necessarily I'm work no, 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 because no. it's because it, because it, i've got i don't have that period on my uh phone at the that's moment a relief so. The worst ending I ever wrote was to the mutant phase, where I basically had Nissa say to the fifth doctor, that doesn't make sense. And that was it, really. <laughs> <laughs> because it didn't. It's the same problem that afflicts TV shows as well, isn't it? Every time you get a TV show and you get so many people complaining and saying, oh, well, that's not how I wanted it to end. It's very difficult mm. to find that. It is. Yeah, you're not going to please everybody anyway. Because we're so. frightened of losing stuff, yeah. you know. But, but also, the other, the, the other thing is, what, and very specifically in Doctor Who terms, and I can, I can, I can demonstrate this, and I was saying this to people, uh, with is, is that every single story, or every kind of, every, every single story, you can't kind of yes. have a quiet... You can almost not get away with anything reflective, because the, it's immediately followed by by by, by this. Eventually, hold on, I paused the damn thing. Is this? Is that? Yeah. Which which you which you kind of yes, that is so sad. 
Yeah, it, it doesn't work. <laughs> like it a Viking work. suddenly comes yeah, in with yeah. a sword <laughs> exactly. and cuts your head it doesn't, off. Yeah. It doesn't fit, so you've got to kind of... Uh, you see, uh, if you have Jamie Robertson doing the uh, post-production, he has a way of solving that, which is that he builds to an appropriate musical crescendo. Yes, yeah pauses, then brings the theme in. Mm -hmm. The best example of that, of course, is always Neighbours, isn't it? Because mm. however dramatic Neighbours ever gets to the end of a clip, yeah, you always get a lovely chirpy theme tune after. Yeah. It's ridiculous. There's a, there's a friend of mine who said that every scene in a soap opera ends, this is tricky to say, or, or in an oral thing, that every scene in a soap opera ends in one of three ways. It's, I left the iron on. <laughs> Did I leave the iron on? <laughs> Or I switch the iron off. <laughs> the, the facial expressions at the end of every scene. The most undramatic, non-dramatic soap opera endings can be heard every day on BBC Radio Four on hmm. the Archers, <laughs> and they're you know they're they're just they're incredible. They're, but but, well, I'm going to go and give him a lift then. But, but, you know, but things but like that. Honestly, that's because that doesn't happen. You can't get away with having anything dramatic when it's just for fun. You know, and he's died. And for those of you listening who are not familiar with the Archers, it's a soap opera on BBC Radio Four set in a rural community. Six forty-five this evening <laughs> in Great Britain. I've got several friends in that. They're all very oh, yeah. nice people. Yeah. Who's the other six forty-five? That's when the comedy's on. You anyway, yeah, anyway, back, back. clip from to the death. Got it. Got it. Bombs in the back. You all right, Mum? Yes. But where's Grandfather? He must have got to the TARDIS. He'll be safe. Right. Let's go. Kill me. Consult your superiors. I was vital to the success of your plan. I, I am loyal to the Daleks. You really are totally despicable, aren't you? Tams it, my dear. I had no choice. I, I, there was no turning back. I had to help them. Ah, oh, finally the confessional. So what did you do, Monk? How exactly did you sell your soul? Or rather, the souls of every man, woman and child on Earth? Silence! The Doctor will come with us! Um, okay. Who's next, David? Me. Um, I am going to choose a story, actually not based on it being one of my absolute favourites of the year, but I certainly think it it's was... It's isn't it? No. Oh. I, I certainly thought it was a really good story and didn't really get the amount of attention I thought it deserved, and that's Industrial Evolution. Oh. Mm. Um, yeah, Because like I thought Eddie wrote a really lovely script. It was a really atmospheric... Um, and quite gripping story. We had a, mm. a tremendous cast. Tremendous. Rory Kinnear. Rory Kinnear. Mm. Hugh Ross. Hugh Ross. And, oh, they were all in it. Um, Warren Brown. Brown. Mm. Yeah, Warren. Lovely um, guy. He's a huge star as well. Um, so, yeah, we, we, I just felt it was a really, really good, strong story. And a lot of the response to it was quite average, Yeah, wasn't it? And I, I just thought it was almost... They missed one there, didn't yeah. they? They missed a trick there. Yeah, I almost thought it was... It deserved it deserved more acclaim than it got, so I'm putting it there. I, in my I, top three. Yeah, it's fun. It's original. It's it's not quite like any other story we've done, mm. uh, and and it's a really and, and a beautifully sort of designed sort of sound 
environment. Mm. You know, that whole kind of Those period is, is magnificent. Yeah, yeah, they're wonderful. <laughs> they are wonderful. And because um, they, they did the elite as well, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's using the medium to the fullest extent. Yes, they do lots of really detailed work. You can always listen to the backgrounds of uh, background noises. I mean, you know, mm. not not just the spot effects, but all the details going on in the background when the the guys at full circle do it because it's it's, it's like in Cyberman Two, which is the first thing they did for us. You just hear like little robots going going from one side to the other, you know, all sorts of stuff that's not in the script. Well, there's, that just there's an builds in, the atmosphere. Sorry, there's an example in the Elite which I always use, where it's a scene where Tegan rounds on the Doctor, and they put in the footsteps of her rounding on him, and his footsteps tracking back behind the TARDIS console. Uh-huh. And it's so three-dimensional, you sit and listen to it, and it absolutely sounds like a TV soundtrack, hmm. because all those physical elements are within the picture. Oh, that's really beautiful. They beautiful. really do visualise Because yeah. that's not even Great something guys, I even thought things. of on the script, so I think, mm. yeah. yeah. You can also throw you off a bit, because I was listening to the start of The Silver Turk on my way walking to the train station one morning, and it's got all the sounds of them arriving in Vienna at the very beginning. Mm. And so I kept thinking that there was a cyclist coming up right behind me. <laughs> I kept, kept suddenly hearing these, these bell noise things like that. I kept sort of going, whoa! And then I realised that it was just in my head. It was really disconcerting, but brilliant. Oh, that's just stupid. <laughs> I had that problem with the Zygon that fell to earth. I kept thinking there was a scarrison mm. in my bedroom. Now that is stupid. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Should we have a clip from Industrial Evolution? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And may I say, this is a fabulous little bash. Oh, please. It was no trouble at all to arrange it all at the drop of the hat when your message arrived at one o'clock this afternoon. How was Venice? Even better than I'd heard. Piazza San Marco, Teatro La Fenice, Rialto Bridge. You should have seen it in the good old days. Oh, yeah, indeed. But uh, well, I'd say the faded glory lends it a certain... Mm, romantic melancholy. Yes. Yeah, I couldn't have put it better myself. Oh, sorry, Mr. Velfridge. This is Dr. John Smith and Miss Evelyn Smythe. Delighted. Mr. Stratton, uh, I think one of your staff is trying to get your attention. Uh. Calamities in the kitchen, no doubt. Excuse me. We've been looking forward to meeting you, Mr. Belfridge. Oh, really? I hope it was worth the... Perhaps uh, we could uh, talk alone in the study. Who are you two, anyway? I'm Evelyn Smythe, and... No, 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 I can remember your names. What I'm not entirely clear about is who you are and what you're doing here. We're a couple of people who found this in your office. Well, there was a clip from Industrial Evolution. Who's next? I think it's me. Isn't it? Yes, yes. Um, I'm. I'm. I'm going off audio. I'm going to go uh, to. I'm going to. Uh, going mention, off audio. You're actually, working for the wrong I'll, company. I'll, I'll, I'll slightly cheat. I'll go with uh, two things at once. I'll go. Um, I'm, go I'm going for the books because I, I really enjoyed uh, the Mervyn Stone books and yeah. everyone's so so special. Everyone's just so so special, uh, which I'm sort of working my way through at the moment. Um, so Ned Fountain and Rob Sheer. Ned Fountain and Rob Sheer. I bought um, the books and got them to sign them at various conventions, and I've been really loving all of all of the work. The Mervyn Stone books I've, I've adored because I've always really liked uh, the Charles Paris novels that Simon Brett wrote, and they've got very much a feel of that. But it's sort well, of Simon within... Brett came to the launch. He did. Oh, did yes. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I was really disappointed I didn't get to that. It wasn't, I wasn't around. Um, I don't but think you were in the in crowd then. I don't think I was. Um, <laughs> but no, it was. Um, it, it was. Yeah, that those are utterly marvellous. I, I, I also I, I slightly credit Geek Tragedy in particular of 
really kind of getting me back into reading because I haven't read for ages. I, the problem is I was always an addictive reader. I've got m more books than you know I'll ever be able to get through for the rest of my life. Um, but because of obviously with smartphones, you start kind of when I used to read on trains, I'd end up just playing silly games and, 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 and go, well, I've just played backgammon for this entire... And I'd have a wasted journey. And, and, and But then I started reading Geek, tragically, and really got into it and then read it in about three days solid and I, I sort of got back into the habit of really sort of ploughing through books and I've done Geek Tragedy and uh, DVD extras include Murder. I'm very much looking forward to Curse Among Sequels, which I'll probably get to early next year, uh, which Nev, I believe, says is his favourite one of the three mm -hmm. and, and is his favourite thing he's ever written, I think. And as I say, uh, everyone's just so, so special. Um, I uh, I've, I absolutely adore. Um, so far, I've been working my That's a collection of short stories by Rob Sherman. By Rob Sherman, which... Um, the, Mervyn, a, the Mervyn Stone things we should explain if anyone doesn't know about them, that it's about a script ed editor mm -hmm. of an old... Uh, sci-fi series that's been cancelled who gets involved with crimes and solves murders them. yeah um, all linking in sometimes linking into his experiences on the TV series hmm. that bears no resemblance whatsoever to Doctor Who yes <laughs> yeah and yeah so yeah everyone's just so special I, I'm I've I've, I've done the same I think I might have made exactly the same mistake I made last year with that which is I keep giving Rob's short story books as presents to uh, girls I have a bit of a crush on oh and then and, they think you're a weird well no she, I, I, I don't I haven't actually well, heard are. anything back but mm. it is that sense where you kind of like read, read through them just going, going yeah this may not have been appropriate this may not have been the best choice <laughs> this, I've ever this made this book's all about me really yeah this is uh, yeah no, it's more that thing where you kind of. There's also the thing where you kind of. If, you, if you're saying, I think I've, I can't remember which comedian I saw talking about this, where they were saying that giving someone a book and saying you'll really enjoy this is a, quite a weird thing. If you if you kind of like say this book about a mad cat woman who, who just lives at home and eats cheese, you'll love this. This is exactly the sort of thing you would love. Then then they might find that a bit. You've got to be careful. I did specify this time that I hadn't read any of the book when I gave it as a present, okay. which is true. That seems weird. So, I was I was slightly. It's like Sarah Sutton uh, recommended that I buy Any Human Heart by William Boyd mm. some years ago, you know, when it first came out. Which, and I was so astounded that someone, she looked at me in a kind of, hmm, I think this would suit you kind mm. of way. So I, I went out and bought it. I think she's on a percentage for that book, you know. She really <laughs> well, well, then I discovered that she was just saying that to everyone, but she made it look like, of all the people in the world, Nick, I suddenly think that you should read this book because there's something about it that connects to you. And then, you know, a couple of years later, I said, I read that, I really enjoyed it. She said, oh, did you? I said, yeah, you know, you recommended it to me. She said, did I? <laughs> <laughs> At the yeah. moment, I'm reading one of the Dexter books, which is giving me some very interesting ideas. Oh, my God. Listen, we must move on. Time's <laughs> running out. Mm. Who's next? Paul. Oh, it's back to me. Oh, yes. Um, I, I couldn't decide on a third one. There were there were two two. Okay, thanks. Two uh, consecutive. <laughs> there, back there to were... Bob. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, well, he likes Mervyn Stone too. Actually, did you want to just put in a clip of Mervyn Stone? Because we can do oh. some of the podcast thing. Yeah. I think that was the podcast. Oh yeah, nice reminder that the podcast that. is still that was out very there. Good. Still out there on the microphone. There's a clip for the Mervyn Stone podcast. It did take me a lot of finding when I was trying to listen to it. So. Yeah, that's yeah. the website. The Royal Variety performance in 1993 was the culmination of Babel Mania. The cast of Vixens from the Void was to feature, and Babel J was to steal the show again. Mervyn Stone remembers. Yes, the Royal Variety. We planned it down to the last detail because no robot had ever performed before the Queen before. I'm not counting Leslie Crowther. We were on right after Lulu. 
the cast would all sing I Lost My Heart to a Starship Trooper and Babel J would come on and interrupt Jimmy Tarbuck with some scripted jokes before the next act. It was a very funny script for a royal variety performance. Sally Pride, makeup artiste. Oh, it was so exciting to meet the Queen. I've never met anyone who wears bigger jewellery than me. Vanity Mycroft, star of Vixens from the Void. Meeting the Queen. Well, goodness, yes. Held all sorts of protocol dilemmas for me. Bow or curtsy. Eventually, I decided the Queen would curtsy. Anyway, yes, yeah, so my, my last choice. There were two consecutive releases, and I can't pick between them because I really love both of them. And it was Tales from the Vault and The Rocket Men. Yay! Uh, thank you. Yes, I'm oh, complimenting. Actually, The Rocket Men is fabulous, Dawny. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm really chuffed. There's amazing post production on Tales yes. from the Vault yeah. as well. Yeah. But yeah, Tales from the Vault, just, you wouldn't think that you would cram so much into 60 yeah. minutes, but the fact that you've got what, three, four different stories in there and they, and they all hold together and build into a greater whole. Yeah. You've got two great lead performances as well from Daphne Ashbrook and UG So as well who were just a lot of fun mm -hmm. traipsing around the unit vault and then you've got extra special guests and really I don't know that I quite it was just a different thing and and beautifully put together and uh, and well tried Mr. Mm -hmm. Yes I was going to say all devised by mm -hmm. you David it was well, your I like idea. coming up with these things or a nightmare logistically to <laughs> yeah, together. Yeah, You've got a very good eye for something idea. that's really, really special, I it think. It was a terrifying brief from what I kind of heard from Johnny, but then yeah. that it, if anyone could pull that together, it was him, and he, he does an absolutely marvellous job of it. He's he really smart, does. Isn't he? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, an, it's an incredible So what, should we have a clip from Tales from the Vault? Yeah. yeah. Sounds like a good idea. So what other stuff do you have here relating to the mysterious Doctor? You wouldn't believe how many extraterrestrial items we have relating to the Doctor. It would probably be quicker to list all the ones he isn't involved with. What's that? Not sure. Wait. One of the time capsules. Follow me. What? Where to? Some of the artifacts here are deposited in vacuum capsules, electronically sealed to keep their contents secure until such and such a date. You mean, do not open until the year 2011? Exactly. But this capsule has been set to be open tonight. Who by? The doctor. It doesn't say which one, though. What's inside? Stand back. I'll take a look. What's that? A wax phonograph cylinder. The earliest form of audio recording. It looks fragile. It is. Oh, hold on a moment. We should have something to play it on somewhere. <laughs> and I thought cassette tapes were ancient. It's not the only one in our collection. Here. An optical reader. Just slot it in and a laser will pick up what's recorded on it, if anything. Listen very carefully. This is a warning. My name is Stephen Taylor. I travel with a... And, and, and yeah, and then the Rocket Men was just... I mean, firstly, I... I've, I've said this before in podcasts, I'm not the biggest fan of the first Doctor. Mm. Um, possibly because, you know, there's not a human. There's not. <laughs> I think there's Bob. Um, you know, I've, I've not seen a huge number of William Hartnell stories. I'm not likely to. You know, I was too young to have seen any of them at the time. Shut up. Um, so, you know, I, I've never really had much of a connection with that era of the show. But, I mean, William Russell just delivers the story so beautifully mm. and so mm. well. Yeah. And the same, that's why I love Transit of Venus as well. But, you know, he, he It's just an effortless so listen, isn't it? Yeah. To, uh, transit, it, it, I mean, it, so it, did, it did make me 
laugh actually a fair number of the audience said that it should have been told in a linear way <laughs> and they didn't like the non-linear storytelling I, I, I really like, really argue against that actually I think I, I liked so it long because as all it, the clues are there yeah, yeah. I, I have read things where people have said it's, it, there's clearly no point it, it, it's not done for any specific reason you're like really can you I, can you not see why I've done it in a non-linear fashion? There's at least two points. The ends of episode one and ends of episode two don't yeah. work if it's told in a linear fashion. And also, you can't do the same thing. You know, you've got to strive and look to do things differently mm. and experiment. And you know, so long as it makes sense when you put the pieces together, it doesn't matter. And also, there's, a, there's a degree to which I think if you kind of if there has to be an in-story reason to do that, or, yeah. or a kind of a, a narrative, it's a bit gimmicky yeah. in a way. Whereas if it's just kind of um, about well, as I say there isn't there there is a, a specific reason, as I say, the end of episode one and episode two, or why I kind of wanted to do it that way. But it, it's yeah, you can, it, there's there's no need to tell a story in any specific way. It's kind of a, it, it's it's a fairly sort of wide ranging tradition across sort of most other you know uh, it's a very theatrical tradition, mm. and and there's a degree to which the Companion Chronicles are theatrical monologues rather than sort of audio books. And it's, it's, it's got a similar kind of feel to that, and I, th I think there's no reason to just have to go uh, linear all the time. Mm. Plus, most importantly, it's uh, plus most importantly, it makes you pay attention. I think yeah. that's the yeah. other thing as well. When you've got yes. <laughs> when you've got something like that in that kind of format, where you've got one, you know, two voices mm. at, at most, it's one of those things that's easy if you're not careful to sort of drift out of. Yeah. And when you've got something that's that tricky at times, you know, it makes you. Perk up and pay more I attention did, to what's I, going. Again, I think I did see one review where someone said, you know, if you, if you it, it, it's told in a non-linear fashion, so if you don't pay enough attention, you're completely lost. And you're oh going, well, yeah. well, pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> well, as the writer, pointed, yeah. as the writer of Creatures of Beauty, I'm. I agree with you. Yeah, everything you plus, say. Plus, it had like, Gus Brown in it, and like I've seen him doing songs no, on stage in the karaoke circus. David, oh, no, it's just like, it's like with the film Inception, where a lot of people said I didn't understand it, and I, I thought. When I came to watch it, having all these people say they didn't understand it, I sat down and I followed it and paid attention. But it made perfect sense. Mm. Yeah. You know, but sometimes you do, really? you do, if you're going to pay money and buy something, you have to actually have to give it something back, don't you? You have to, you have to tune in. Well, that's a controversial point of view. <laughs> Shall we have a clip? Yay. When do you know? When do you know for certain? The first look? Catching her eyes across a crowded room, the shy smile, the furtive glance, or later, when the roots have grown down, extended deep into the earth, far beyond the giddy joys of the earliest days. Can you trust what you feel? When do you know? When do you know? One of you must know. I'm in a room, a bank of controls and monitors along one wall, the hefty airlock door. Vicky and Barbara sit huddled against the wall opposite me, fear etched into their faces. Barbara still not fully recovered. Around them sit dozens of others, tearful and frightened, their dream holiday cracked and broken without notice. Ashman stands before me, striding back and forth, glaring at his hostages. Well, we've read the files. There's no point in pretending. He's tall and large, somewhere in his mid-forties, the sort of man you'd describe as bear-like when he was out of earshot. 
Under one arm, he holds his crested visored helmet, his men still wearing theirs around him, leaving them faceless and impassive. The large rocket pack, strapped to his back, only increases his size and intimidating presence. He coldly levels his gun and waves it across the room. He was not alone. He came here with three others. They can't all be dead. One of you knows this doctor. Didn't understand the word, huh? No. <laughs> 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 completely divorced of context. I have no idea what was happening there. Yeah. I can't remember. Well, I mean, that's it, isn't it, really? That's our review <laughs> of 2011. D- didn't you have Did one more? Yeah. Oh, no, have I not said Feast of Axos? No. <laughs> that's because you thought, didn't write it. <laughs> I, thought, I thought of it so many times, I thought I'd said it. The Feast of Axos. Mainly just because we get... Axos calling Earth. Axos calling Earth. And there was one point where I was going to be doing that, and then you suggested, let's get Bernard Holly. His voice to do it. It's just amazing. We actually hired Bernard Holly quite late in the day, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. I think we just assumed that maybe I would do it. I don't know. But uh, no, uh, I just love that story. It was great fun to do, particularly (laughs) getting Duncan Wisby and um, John Banks to do. those strange foreign accents <laughs> which I, I can't believe we got more we didn't get more flack about that when they're playing the sort of the European astronauts which and they're doing sort of strange they they're doing strange Dutch Dutch <laughs> Dutch Dutch accents you know people, so I've got this sort of vision of these people only mind if it's their accents. pornography directors yeah, so. in <laughs> that, hold on that was a completely racist comment <laughs> I'd like to withdraw that um, but anyway here's a clip from uh, the feast of Axos Look yourself back onto Axos again, quickly. Trouble is, uh, I can't quite reach it. Yeah, let me. It's silly. It's only a couple of inches away. Maybe if I turn this way... No, whatever you do, stay perfectly still. Evelyn, stop. Stop, please. But I'm only a couple of inches away from the line. I'm, I'm sure I can... Oh... It's more like six inches now. Evelyn, don't move. Whatever happens, don't move a muscle. Remember Newton's third law. But it's no more than a foot away. Surely you can just jump and get me. Hold the line, Joe. I'm going to push off and grab her. Ready. Here we go. Oh! Missed you. It's too late. We've lost her. What are you talking about? I'm still here, not two feet away from you. Here, I'm unhooking too. Daisy chain. Joe, stay attached to Axos. You hold David, I'll hold him. You ready? Doctor, she's too far out. The safety line is already stretched as far as it'll go. You'll never reach her. Well, of course I will. What are you doing? Unhooking myself from the safety line and detaching my oxygen supply. I can use it to repel myself. Push equals shove. And then what? Hmm? You'll both go floating off together. In which case, get the Jules Verne over there to pick us up. It's not over there anymore. What? Well, where's he gone? Oh, it doesn't matter now. I have to save Evelyn. Even if you reach her, Doctor, it'll be suicide. By the time the Jules Verne comes round again, you'll already be miles away, in a new orbit. You'll probably qualify as a couple of extra moons. I can hear you know. Never mind them, Evelyn. Concentrate on me. Concentrate on my voice. How far away from you all am I now? Twenty feet? Thirty? 
I can't seem to judge the distance anymore. Evelyn, please stay very still. Any additional motion might cause you to accelerate. I'll be with you as soon as I can. Doctor, you have to let her go. Don't be ridiculous. They're right, Doctor. It's too late for me now. You look after yourselves. Evelyn, I'll find you, do you hear me? I'll find you and I'll bring you back. You see, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Those accents were terrific in that clip. So. <laughs> <laughs> hmm, I wonder what clip it was. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, I was saying before that this is the end of this podcast. I think I ought to follow mm. through with that. But we can't continue forever. That would be silly. Yes. So it's goodbye from Bob. <laughs> that was his head. And uh, it's goodbye from me, Nick Briggs. Thank you. Bye. Goodbye. I object to the way that Bob's become the new comedy figure instead of Paul Sprite. <laughs> <laughs> they could be one and the same. Goodbye. Bye. And in the next podcast, we will be previewing the Big Finish releases for 2012. Hey. Ooh. Ooh. That'll be being camp. <laughs>